Welcome everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Koshni Totoram and welcome to our very first podcast. South Africans are currently living through extraordinary times of political and economic upheaval. The recent midnight cabinet reshuffle has caused immense damage to the country's reputation, resulting in recent downgrades to junk status. Neville Chester joins me today to talk about the current crisis in South Africa. I think it's fair to say that a lot has changed for South Africa around that uh, midnight on March 30th. Nev, I, I know you're a pro- prolific emailer in the middle of the night to the rest of the team. So were you awake when the news of the cabinet reshuffle hit? And what were your immediate concerns? I was awake. Uh, it had been flagged on certain uh, news stations that there was potentially going to be this change. Um, so I was I was sitting up quite late that night um, waiting to see you know, if, if Pravin was going to be removed. Um, obviously, it was quite a shock to see the extent of the cabinet reshuffle um, and then the, the replacement of both the finance minister and the deputy finance minister, um, as well as a number of other changes, which I think people haven't even spoken about, I guess, just given the fallout that's happened from the finance minister. And, you know, it, it's, it's a big change. I was, there was a feeling of shock, a feeling of sadness, because at the end of the day, these changes, uh, the downgrades, um, it's, it's, it's really thrown South Africa off what was looking like the start of a recovery. Uh, we'd seen with the RAND having strengthened, uh, with uh, commodity prices and uh, the drought up country having been broken, we were actually starting to see economic growth come back through. We were starting to see a bit of pickup in formal employment. So it really was looking like we were back on track um, and, and certainly staving off any thoughts of, of a downgrade. Uh, rating agencies are concerned around GDP growth. We were getting that. It was all really starting to come together, um, and and this unfortunately has has completely derailed that process. Um, a lot of the unhappiness also resulting from the fact that a lot of hard work had been put in over the course of the last year, post December 2015, to try and bring South Africa back on track and stave off that uh, downgrade. That's right. I mean, you know, the country as a whole, I mean, it was amazing what happened last year is that the country really pulled together to, you know, to to, to deal with the rating agencies, to deal with their concerns, business, labor, um, and government, and I mean, you know, for years we've tried to get everyone um, pointing in the same direction, and it's it's never worked. Um, but they really all got together, and we had proper plans in place, and and you saw the fruit of that. You know, everyone thought uh, a, a downgrade was a dead certainty in June 2016. Um, we know we got through there with flying colours, and again at the end of last year. Um, and, you know, we were seeing real projects being put in place by corporates to invest, to put money into SME initiatives, uh, job creation initiatives. And there was real, you know, it was, as a South African, it was, you know, proud to see everyone in the country working towards a shared common goal, which is, you know, growing the country, which ultimately is going to, you know, be what starts to reduce the inequality that's present. Uh, you can't do that without jobs. Uh, without an economy that's growing. Um, and, you know, that, that unfortunately has all come unstuck now. I mean, one of the things that prompted a lot of South Africans to kind of pull together during 2016 is just the vicious reaction of the markets that we saw mm. after 
um, Nene was fired in December 2015. Now, this time around, we did see a sell-off in the bonds. We did see a sell-off in the, in the currency. And we saw some of our domestic shares, the banks and the retailers in particular, being hit. But the, the reaction was far more muted than I think any one of us would have, would have expected. And certainly mm. far more muted than what we saw um, in December 2015. So are we all just a bunch of boiled frogs here? Or what do you think <laughs> is, is causing the, the you know? The it is a this? surprise. It, it certainly is surprising to us that we haven't seen uh, markets move nearly as much. Uh, look, in December, you know, by the time the, when they fired Nene, uh, liquidity was down a bit, so it does exacerbate moves, particularly around the RAND, which tends to be quite volatile in December, Jan. Um, but, you know, there certainly seems to be something else at play which is supporting uh, the markets. The, the key one is that you are still seeing a lot of money from foreign investors coming into the SA bond market. Now, you know, having chatted to a couple of, of foreign investors and a couple of, of senior bankers, they don't really see the changes that took place uh, in that cabinet reshuffle in the light that we do. So to them who, you know, looking around the world, dealing with a number of emerging markets or even developed markets, um, for them to see, you know, some ministers being replaced, they don't necessarily understand the magnitude of, 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 of what those changes mean for SA. Um, and when they came out to South Africa, they were actually quite shocked to see the response uh, from local businesses to the changes that have been made. So for a lot of them, they just see the yields have picked up. There's uh, a definite trend at the moment still for search for yield. Um, a number of emerging markets are flavor of the month. And I think to some extent, a lot of them look at what happened in 2015, saw the sharp sell-off, uh, the recovery there afterwards, and think, well, this is a buying opportunity. Let's put some money in here because there'll be a shock and then things will recover. However, as we we discussed earlier, you know the recovery came through because of you know the steps that were taken by business, labour, and and government to stave off that downgrade. Those downgrades have still come through. The you know the other potential um, view is just your your point around the boiled frog. In that you know we've uh, you know when you get the shock the first time, it's a shock and everyone reacts and and uh, you know you go into panic stations mode. And then you, you slowly know, now you start to get used to the fact that ministers are getting reshuffled and things are getting moved around. And so you don't necessarily see uh, the moves in the light that you should because, you know, as, as, as we've, we've spoken about, this move has had a very real impact. Uh, you know, when they replaced the minister and, and, and Des van Royen was, was minister for a weekend um, and Pravin Gordon came back in, we, we didn't get downgraded. The, there wasn't a real economic effect, whereas now, you know, we are going to see a real economic effect. Uh, the downgrades have come through um, and and this this really is going to be negative for SA. So while we're on the topic of downgrade, let's just talk about the finance world. We're all up in arms about the downgrade and how bad this is. But to the to the people, you know, the real South Africans, mm. everyday South Africans, what impact mm. is this going to have on their everyday lives? Um, what impact is it going to have on the economy in mm. which they work on? Yeah, so it's number and it's varied and it's very widespread. So the first area that it's it's going to have an impact on is is economic growth. So. Uh, there's, you know, just as confidence was starting to recover, that has received a brutal blow and, and we'll see uh, generally confidence start to decline again, which means there'll be less investment, which means that there's just going to be less opportunities going around, broadly speaking. And and that economic recovery that we're talking about, you know, is going to be much more muted. We could even see uh, ourselves slip back into recession. 
with the rand having weakened, you know, there is an, in a second round inflationary effect, which is going to come through from that. Um, and we had seen uh, CPI starting to tick down below the 6% level. Um, that is going to get pushed back up again. And obviously, as inflation goes up, that erodes your, your real purchasing power and takes money away. And then we were starting to look, because of uh, the inflation rate starting to come down, we were starting to see the potential for interest rate cuts. Um, you know, the, the Reserve Bank had pretty much clearly signaled the end of the hiking cycle, and we were looking forward to a little bit of relief on our home repayments or, or car repayments. Um, but now with, with the RAND having weakened, with uh, inflationary fears rising again, and, and just the uncertainty um, that, that's abounding in markets, we don't see any rate cuts coming through anytime soon. So that's a, that's a clear loss uh, to the individuals in the street. And then the, the big effect, which is, it's unfortunately, it doesn't happen on day one. This, these things slowly build. And it's only in a couple of years we'll be able to look back and say, well, that was the key turning point is, is around the budget. So, you know, what does this junk you know, status mean? It, it means that the assessment of those rating agencies of the South African government to repay its debts has, has declined to a point where people no longer consider us to be investment grade. And then what that means typically is that investors require a, a much greater return to, for the debt that they lend to the SA government. South Africa, South Africans as a whole, we are uh, net borrowers uh, in order to fund our, our budget. Um, and people demand a return for lending us that money to, to pay the budget. And that, that number's gone up. And, and as that cost goes up, that means more and more of your budget is spent servicing the debt instead of building hospitals, paying grants, and doing all the kind of things that are you know important um, in this country. And desperately needed in this country. Absolutely. And we are going to need more debt now as well. So... You know, with the economy not growing, uh, with concerns around what's happening on the revenue collection side and the ability to meet the revenue t uh, collection targets, we're going to have to you know, issue more debt, borrow more, and then you start to build up into, uh, into a debt spiral where as your servicing costs start to rise, you get to the point where you can never ever really repay that debt. Um, and and, and th that will start to play out over the next few years. Nev, one of the key themes that has come out over the last few weeks is radical economic transformation. Give me your take on what the real impact is likely to be for South Africans. It is worrying, Kush, um, you know, seeing these words suddenly being bandied around. Um, if you look at a lot of uh, populist governments in the past, uh, in other countries, typically when they're trying to keep a large populist voting base happy um, and and particular when the economy is going south and things are getting worse and worse uh, they start you know pulling out slogans like this which which can often lead to to much much more serious negative consequences uh, the radical economic transformation that's likely from being downgraded is unfortunately uh, you know a, a deterioration in the economic circumstances but you are seeing it being bandied around um, by by various elements within the ANC and it seems to mean different things for different people um, so, you know, the, the, the president uh, seems to be using it regularly uh, to talk about, you know, mass transfer um, of wealth, um, whereas you're seeing a lot of other people talk about, you know, we just need to deal with inequality and, and it's just part of the, the natural journey or the progression that we've been talking about in South Africa. 
Um, so it, it is being used a lot. It is being bandied around. And, and the, the, the reality is there is no very clear uh, indication. You know, uh, a lot of the, the senior policy setters within the ANC say this is, you know, this is, it, it's part of, 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 of our normal. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the mandate that we have and, and the kind of proposals and policies that are in place. Um, yet in, in some of the more radical settings, it's clearly been used to, to, to create, um, yeah, you know, a lot more fear um, and a lot more expectations as to, you know, sudden changes um, in, in ownership of assets in South Africa. So as a portfolio manager, how do you go about putting together, allocating assets within the fund and taking into account the fact that we're dealing in very volatile, very uncertain, but certainly an environment in which risk has increased significantly? It's, it's a challenge like it always is. Um, you know, fortunately, going into this, we had structured the portfolios and particularly the multi-asset portfolios quite conservatively um, to be able to actually have done fairly well. So our portfolios were fairly well diversified. We had invested quite a bit into domestic assets at the end of 2015, early 2016, during that that crisis we spoke about. And uh, we'd done very well out of those assets and we'd actually sold down uh, in favor of some of the local shares which have exposure much more to global operations and global businesses. We still had a very high weighting to offshore equity as we felt that there were better investment return opportunities offshore. And we still had a very low weighting in domestic government bonds, both globally and locally, given our views on where global interest rates and local interest rates were relative to the risk attached to that. Given what's happened and and given the fact that the markets haven't really sold off significantly, um, we don't see us making major changes to that current position. We think that there's still a lot that one needs to understand around why these changes were made and what's likely to change in the way the Treasury behaves and what that potentially means for pure domestic assets. Um, and, and one needs to start factoring those into the valuations of those businesses. So it's very important at this time to – this is not an opportunity – now to suddenly swing for the fences. This is still very much uh, a time to be conservatively positioned um, and, and as always focus on valuation as the protection. Um, you know, the ability to call political changes, you know, as we've seen around the world, uh, you know, a, a fairly low degree of confidence. Um, at the end of the day, it's been valuation that, 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 has, that has protected the portfolios and delivered the returns. Thank you. I think it's, it's fair to say robust, diversified portfolios together um, of, um, of views, especially in this uncertain world, and, um, and stay close to, to all of the different news as it, as it unfolds and how it impacts the different companies. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's what's seen us through many other volatile times. If you look at our portfolio performance through the global financial crises and, and various other you know, crises around uh, at, at the, the fact that we've put together portfolios, thinking about risk not about benchmarks, but thinking about real underlying capital risk, risk of loss of capital. That's really what's protected us and, and enabled us to perform. Um, and it's, it's, it's certainly as relevant today as, it, as it's been before. Super. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. And look out for our next podcast with our Chief Investment Officer, Carl Leinberger.